is Congressman Takano's office. How are you? Hi, Lana. I'm well. How are you? Great. I'm going to just go ahead and merge the congressman into this call, and we can go ahead and get started. We just have a hard stop at 11, if that's okay. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. Got it. Can everybody hear me? Hi, Lana. I'm here. Okay, great. Congressman Takano, um, you're on with Vic. Congressman Takano, how are you? This is Vic Jaramie. Thank you for um, taking the time to be on the Blunt Post with Vic. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad you reached out to us. I have to say, before I forget, I really enjoy your, for the, your direct and bluntness, especially on social media. I read a lot of your posts, and uh, I really appreciate that. You don't mince words. Yeah. Um, Congressman, <clears throat> I want to get right to the current place that we're at. I say place because there are so many overlapping things that are happening and changing so rapidly. Uh, of course, for a minute there, we thought that COVID-19 was starting to subside a bit, perhaps, but now we're seeing uh, a big sort of surge again. And you have a for obvious reasons, you have a, a kind of a bird's eye view as a congressman. Uh, where are we? How do you assess and uh, how do you how do you assess and uh, what's your perspective on what's happening now? Well, uh, I I will say that I think that the governor the governor is um, opened. County uh, were among the counties that had supervisors that uh, were too eager to open up as fast as they could. And that was the whole attitude. Um, and I understand the, the, the feeling of, of, uh, of, the, of, of businesses not being able to open. I don't I don't uh, diminish the, the losses, um, the economic losses that people are suffering. But I think the public really cares about uh, public health. And I was, I was astounded that our own Board of Supervisors here in Riverside County rescinded health orders back in May, including a health order to wear masks. Uh, in public, and um, the excuse was that they were, were that they were trying to align themselves with the state um, instead of instead of exerting leadership and independence in the direction of uh, being more aggressive in rooting out the virus, to spread the virus, and containing uh, infection. Um, they wanted to create a situation uh, where they put um, uh, the reopening of, of commerce and business um, at, a, at a far more rapid rate. They put that as a, as a priority over um, establishing important norms. And the irony is that 
Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that's caused the COVID nineteen cases to go up in Riverside County, and <clears throat> I'm glad you said uh, top leadership because it all trickles down. <clears throat> what I find fascinating uh, about the French few who talk about mask wearing as government imposing something on themselves or on their body and such. Um, they are seeing these masks as some sort of a government, uh, uh, you know, government uh, forcing something on them, and it's about their freedom. And yet, most of the time, these same people uh, have no problem telling women what to do with their bodies. Um, I find that fascinating, and their health. Um, but. Riverside County, going back to Riverside County, which um, your district uh, covers, what is happening in Riverside County? Well, Riverside County, Riverside County, um, so I think I can't answer that question without sort of relationship to what the governor has ordered. Right. So the governor has ordered uh, 
has ordered uh, face mask wearing. Um, he um, and it's a big question about how he's going to be able to enforce that. Um, now uh, we have a county sheriff who's elected here, who during the debate at the board of supervisors of May said, "Well, if you if you extend uh, if you extend." Uh, these health orders, including face mask wearing, uh, uh, as a as an ordinance from the county, um, I am I am I don't have the resources to enforce it. I am not going to enforce it. Uh, and so, this question as to whether or not the governor is going to be able to have the cooperation of of county sheriffs of of uh, Police departments uh, that are in charge of cities like the city of Riverside. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole question about enforcement of of that. Riverside County is approaching twenty thousand uh, COVID nineteen cases. Still, the second highest um, infection uh, rate, not infection rate, but the, the number of infections is the second highest in the state. And our hospitals uh, are approaching 100% capacity. Now, not all those hospitals, uh, not all, of, uh, not all of the, uh, the bed occupancy in hospitals is because of COVID-19. Sure. People, people will point out it's a percentage. Sure. But still, the hospitals have, you know, they, they, will, they will say they need to make money by doing procedures again, by doing elective procedures so a lot of what you, the bed space and ICU units are filled with people recovering from elective procedures. So um, uh, we are, we're now in a situation where uh, we have to be careful about uh, uh, hospitalizations uh, because of the higher infection rate uh, that we're experiencing. So. Um, the situation here, or so the, the, the public health officer, Dr. Kaiser, has ordered bars to close. Um, but I, but I believe that uh, that that's a good decision to close the bars um, because they are they are smaller enclosed spaces with loud music in the background, which cause people to speak louder. Um, that's a good point. And speaking louder, of course. Uh, causes people to emit almost the invisible droplets or small little airborne droplets that could contain virus. And this is one of the, the ways it can be spread. So closing the bars was a good decision. But I, 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 I regard it as a very mild half measure uh, that there's, there's, not a, there's not an effort among the supervisors uh, to say uh, that it's not just the governor's sort of order, but that's our order too to require face masks, and and that they need to that they needs to be a, a uniform way throughout the county uh, to establish this norm. Um, and um, I find it just reprehensible that also the county sheriff has weighed in um, uh, back in May, but. None of this is being 
revisited by the county. So, um, uh, I, I, I sense that um, among constituents, uh, this is a huge concern. Congressman, in going back to what you said about the governor's statement and the sheriff's statement that he doesn't have the resources to enforce, are you an advocate of actual law enforcement enforcing masks just like City of West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and Santa Monica just did? Two on each side of the aisle, 
Well, JetBlue, towards the end of April, announced that they were going to impose a face mask wearing policy at the airline, followed by American United and the other airlines. But what was missing was an FAA administrator imposing this rule across the airlines. Yeah, it for makes sense. May, for the month of May, it was unclear whether or not the airlines were going to really enforce this regulation. And then one airline did. America ejected somebody off. But here's the point I'm making is that what, what was missing there was any attempt to impose the rule of law. Uh, the, the airlines, there's this ideology from the administration uh, and the FAA administrator falsely claiming that he has no authority uh, to issue such a rule. And uh, so, and even if that were true and Congress were to pass some sort of law, I, I don't know whether the president would sign it, you know, given where this president comes from. Uh, trying to minimize, it's all about, it's all this, it's all this wink and a nod at each other among Republicans to minimize that this virus is right. dangerous. It won't even get through to the Senate. <laughs> it won't even get uh, past the Senate I, to get I, to the I president. I we get past the Senate, but we're yeah. seeing that same sort of attitude with this Board of Supervisors. That's unfortunate. Same sort of attitude with this Board of Supervisors. It's an attitude of like, well, the governor issued an order, like, why should we, we're going to be in line with them. We're not going to do anything more aggressive. Well, not doing anything more aggressive or more robust is is all um, a a nod to the idea that the virus is not dangerous. Yeah, and it's it's playing with fire. Uh, Congressman, thank you for that thorough um, sort of analysis, if you will. Your answers more quickly. Do you want, yeah, I know you want to cover other topics. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's okay. I, I really enjoyed hearing that. I. I especially enjoyed when you took things in your own hands and said, I'm going to go and sit and coach and have my own social distancing if uh, first class isn't working out. So I, I like that. But I do want to, if I may, change topics and talk about uh, an act that was just passed uh, a few weeks ago, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, and you were a supporter of that. just want to um, get your perspective on its importance and uh, what you think will happen now? I think the George Floyd Police, Justice Police Act, as written in the House of Representatives, is a substantive police reform uh, legislative uh, package. It is not paying lip service. Uh, it includes banning chokeholds, banning no-knock warrants, drug cases, ending... Uh, racial, religious, and discriminatory profiling. Um, very important to me is the elimination, actually it's not the elimination, it's the reform of qualified immunity as a, do, as a judicial doctrine. Um, that is truly a barrier to victims of police brutality to hold the police officers who perpetrated that brutality accountable. This is probably one of the most significant parts of the bill, and which is been declared by uh, the Republican point person, uh, Senator Tim Scott, the only African-American Republican uh, in the Senate, saying that that 
starter. Uh, that that is a deal breaker. That this is um, a a, uh, a poison pill. Uh, that is truly, truly an affront. You have other Republican senators, a couple of other Republican senators who are saying they're open to it. So I I'm, I have some optimism that, that there may be some movement, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, and I, forgive me for using that whole question. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Uh, expression, um, it, I mean, it could be perceived by some of your listeners as bad taste. Sure. Uh, but um, in some ways, the the idea uh, that Senator Scott was saying that that is a non-starter uh, makes me feel that I can't breathe. Um, the... Um, uh, the bill would also establish a national police misconduct registry uh, to improve transparency and prevent problematic officers moving from agency to agency once they've been fired. Um, we require data collection, uh, including mandatory body cam dashboard cameras. Um, we establish new standards for policing and the public safety innovation grants. Uh, for community-based organizations that help reimagine police in their communities. Uh, this bill includes making uh, lynching a federal hate crime, uh, and uh, it also takes steps to demilitarize uh, the police. These are all very substantive uh, elements which the Republicans, uh, the, Senate, the Senate Republicans, want to water down. Uh, As uh, usual. Yeah, just watered it down. I I think it's a real test of the movement, which I credit. The Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement has given us an opening uh, and a challenge. I think the House of Representatives rose to that challenge in passing this bill, this substantive bill. Um, I think what is wanting to happen is that not passing the George Floyd Justice Policing Act in the Senate remain too hot to handle. Uh, that public sentiment needs to rise to the extent that it's too hot to handle, too hot for the Senate to not take action. Yeah, and, and it's, um, it's a clear, it's a clear demarc- point of demarcation. And uh, you know, the Republicans will say, "Well, that's playing." You know, we've chosen to play politics. No, this is not playing politics. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Many members of Congress, many, it, it was a bipartisan, we had two or three members of the Republican Party in the House also join in. Um, uh, what the House representatives did was courageous, it's bold, uh, and it rose above politics. It rose above uh, the fear of retribution. I'm very, very powerful. Uh, police unions, yeah. and um, so uh, what's what's holding back the Senate is cowardice. Uh, what's holding back this president is racism. Right. Well, <clears throat> that was about time, and it's a great it's a great bill, and I hope that the Senate comes to its senses and they don't play uh, partisan politics as usual. <clears throat> they. They did that with the Armenian Genocide, Armenian Genocide Resolution Act, where the House and the Senate, well, the Senate passed it unanimously, and the House was almost unanimous. 
one would think that something this important like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, it would be, <clears throat> it would be in the same, it was the same way, but unfortunately not. Um, Congressman, I know that you have to go, and uh, I keep I keep my promises. So I want to thank you for being on the show uh, and for just the wealth of knowledge you gave us. And uh, good luck to you and the the county of Riverside uh, as we all move forward. Well, great. Well, thank you. I do have to go on the call, but thanks. Um, I Appreciate it. We'll talk later. All right. Thanks, Congressman. Bye-bye.